Jeremiah, the 52nd chapter, and I got something on my heart tonight. It may be a little bit different kind of message is what you may have expected, but uh, praise God. You just keep praying God leads, and you ask God to help give you just what you need. Amen. Jeremiah 52, and this is quite a different, just stay with me here for a moment as we uh, look at these verses. May kind of seem, did you ever come to it? Some of you that are Bible students, are Bible scholars, those of you that are regularly working your way through the Word of God, and I, I, I recommend it. Amen. I don't want you taking my word for it. I want you to be able to dig in and uh, let God help you and talk to you. Now, let's be honest. The Bible can be a challenging book to read. Amen? Anybody shocked? I can't believe you just said that. Well, pick it up sometime. (laughs) You pick it up a few times and say, oh, yeah, he's right. Sometimes there's, I'm not saying they're any less important, but sometimes there's portions of Scripture that may even seem a little tedious to get through. But I will tell you this, maybe it won't be while you're reading it. It might be sometime later. I have found in my own life, there's times I've prayed and said, and God says, well, let me give you just a little nugget right from that spot. I said, oh, I'm so glad I read that. I'm so glad I didn't just skip over that today. But there's been other times that I just said, okay, God, uh, that was in your Bible. <laughs> and uh, wasn't really sure just how to apply it to my life. And then I went to church. And just at the right time in my life, God just unfolded that, brought it together with what I was going through. And I said, wow, isn't that something? God just is so rich in the way he blesses us. So we got Jeremiah 52. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness to us. And we thank you for how you just shine through each one of our brothers and sisters. Lord, bind us together today. And Lord, you know just, Lord, who needs this the most, God. But Lord, some part of this service, some part of these words, Lord, I pray, let them minister to each and every one of us in a special way. And God, that's just... How you work so often through your word. Give us just what we need tonight, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Jeremiah 52. In verse 17, now stay with me. Like I said, I know this may be a a strange text for, uh, for, you might think, for me to take. But Jeremiah 52, verse 17. Also, the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord and the bases... And the brazen sea that was in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans break and carried all the brass of them to Babylon. The cauldrons also and the shovels and the snuffers and the bowls, the spoons and the vessels of brass wherewith they ministered, took they away. The basins and the fire pans and the bowls and the cauldrons and the candlesticks and the spoons and the cups, that which was of gold in gold and that which was of silver in silver, took the captain of the guard away away the two pillars one sea the 12 brazen bulls that were under the bases which king solomon many years ago i added that had made in the house of the lord the brass of all these vessels was without weight and concerning the pillars the height of one pillar was 18 cubits 
and a fillet of 12 cubits did come past it in the thickness, and some of your, your eyes are already glazing over. <laughs> you lost me at cubits. I understand. Thickness there was four fingers. It was hollow. The chapter of brass was upon it. The height of one chapter is five cubits. Network of pomegranates upon the chapters. How long is he going to go? Round about of all brass, the second pillar also in the pomegranates were like unto these. And were ninety and six pomegranates on a side. The pomegranates upon the network were a hundred round about. God bless you. You can be seated. Would, would it surprise you if I said reading through this recently and every time I come to this place in the Bible, it, it, it breaks my heart. It really, really works on me because years before this, some of these things that we're talking about, it says Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And if you have done what we were talking about earlier, all kidding aside, worked your way through the word of God, you get to a place somewhere around Exodus. God starts giving a plan and, and, and a pattern for a place of worship, the tabernacle. And in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of Exodus at that time, it was, uh, it was a tent. And on the outside, it looked very common. It was just skins of animals. But inside that tent, there was beauty and glory. And uh, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. The outside, the flesh was nothing that we would behold, but inside the glory of God. And so often, really, that is the way it is with things that are beautiful in God's kingdom. Just seems so ordinary. God's people and how we come together and worship God. But, oh, there's beauty in it. Amen. Amen. And uh, you start reading some of the measurements. And God was very specific in a lot of these measurements. He was very precise in how he wanted this to be done. And I, I think there's a lesson to be learned in that. I think it's not up to us on us to say, okay, God, I'll tell you how I like to worship. But worship is our love and our adoration to him. And it's not what my style is. It's what God do you want? That's what that means when Jesus said about spirit and truth. Later on in the Bible, as you start proceeding into uh, the time when when David was king and David says, here we are in the promised land, not wandering with the tent in the wilderness. Now we have been put into the promised land, just like you promised that's why it's called the promised land. Imagine that. And David says, I'm in a palace, God, and you're in a tent. Something doesn't seem right. I want to build you a house. I want to put a temple there where your glory resides in the midst of your people. That's always his plan, that he would dwell in the midst of us. That's the whole story of the Bible, the way that God can not just dwell in a temple, but dwell in our temple. And David says, I want to build you a temple. And, and uh, at first the prophet says, that's a great idea. And God says, wait a minute. Tell him that Solomon, his son, is going to build this temple. And so you begin to read how David says, okay, great, God, if that's what you want. I really wanted to do this, but God, let your will be done. And if my son Solomon is going to build a temple, well, I'm going to do everything I can to to facilitate that, to help that along. I'm going to, I'm going to provide uh, uh, the, all the, the, the raw materials and, and do everything I can to set him up for success. 
Solomon becomes the king in a time of peace now. And you read the story and, and, uh, of how he begins to build this temple. And, uh, it's just, uh, something to behold, I'm sure. And just, uh, the details, you can really easily get lost in them. And it just goes on and on and on. And, and, uh, just, just being honest, like we, are it's it's not always just something I sit there and go wow is that how how the laver was built it's amazing I know what it represents I understand how it points to a, a New Testament experience but when you start hearing all the measurements and what it was made out of and how it sat on these oxen on their backs and two were pointing at different compass points and all that after a while I just like okay God uh, you got something here for me and but uh, and he does. And it's just chapter after chapter of these things. There's just even little details, some of the things we read here, just different instruments that are used in the worship and how they lit the, the lampstands and the, the bowls that they use and the, the, all the different instruments. And, and there are different pieces of furniture that are used in their worship all the way to the Ark of the Covenant. And it's you you get the idea even when you're lost in the details this is just amazing and this is this is beautiful and and the glory of it really the base the greatest thing of it is when it's all said and done they pray and dedicate it to god the bible says the glory of god comes down in a thick cloud and just the presence of god it wasn't something that they sat around and just chatted when the glory of god was there when God came down, I'm telling you, people, people were just laid out to, in, in reverence to, to the holiness of the presence of God. It wasn't something that, that was casual. It was something that was, that was reverence and holiness. And it was powerful to see that God moved in all of that. But sadly, even during Solomon's reign... You see the hearts of God's people, even though they saw that great glory and that power, they felt the presence of God in just a, uh, such a tangible way. They're, they begin to get their eyes off of serving God and start slowly drifting towards, well, trying to fit in more, trying to be more like the people around them, worshiping their gods and worshiping, sometimes worshiping the one true God, but adopting practices that were were heathen and pagan, God wasn't pleased. You start to see a cycle start to happen. You start to see through the books of First and Second Kings, and then again through First and Second Chronicles, you see them start to drift away from serving God and loving God. And, and isn't that, can we just stop here a moment and say, that can be our test. That, that can be our tendency. Yeah. If we're not diligent in just loving God and serving God, and we can get busy. Right. You know, a lot of times, let's be honest, people that you, you understand times in your life, maybe you, you, you slipped and you stumbled, and you're not proud of that. It wasn't that you were looking for a chance to stumble or. Or, or fail God, but sometimes there are snares and there are things that it, it may be that busyness that you, I'm going to get to God. I'm going to, I'm going to get serious with God. I'm, I, I mean well, but, and after a while, it catches up to us. And you see this cycle going on 
throughout this chapter after chapter after chapter where they start getting their eyes off of God and onto the the idolatry, the sinfulness, and, and, and then and God chastens, chastens them. He, he, uh, send, they, he sends trouble, sends battles. Then after a while, just like there was uh, in, uh, in the wilderness even at that time, uh, uh, years before that, they, they, they get the, the, have the problems and they, they cry out to God, help us, God, we, we're tired of this, we're tired of trouble, and, and, and God gives them help. You know, a lot of people think that's just the the life of a child of God. There's better than that. There's better than this cycle of just just continually failing and getting back up and failing. No, God wants you to progress and grow in him. Wants you to learn how to win some battles, to make some good choices. We we understand we've all failed. We've all made mistakes. We've all uh, looked back at our lives and said, I could have done better. But but hopefully you're you're learning how to. To, to win some now, you know, you see this cycle, you see evil kings uh, come up and like Ahab and, 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 and lead people astray and people follow that. And God sends the prophets time and time again, men like Jeremiah, men like Isaiah, men like Ezekiel saying, come on, let's get back to God. What do you ever do wrong to you? Why do you want to be like all these other nations that don't have it good like you once had it? And sadly, a lot of times, those prophets that are saying such great things, people say, you know what, let's get him out of the way. Let's throw him in prison. Let's, let's stone him. Yeah. So you see this cycle going on and on. They do good for a while, then they fall away. They do good for a while, then they fall away. There's trouble. They get back up, do good for a while, and fall away. But what happened was after a time, they, God said, listen, we got to break this cycle one way or another. Right. You're going too far. And what happens is, we talked about Babylon the other day. And what happens is God says, listen, if you don't turn back you know, once and for all, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose everything. I'm going to pull you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take away your temple. I'm going to take away your, your capital city. I'm going to take you out of this land. Can you imagine? I, I, I put myself in this sometimes. The time of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some of these in the book of Daniel, how they were children of God in a time of, of backslidden uh, idolatry. And God gets so angry, he takes them out of the land and pulls them into a heathen land. Can you imagine being taken from your family, taken from your job, taken from all your hopes and dreams and everything you're praying that could happen. And now they, they pull you out. Now you're maybe living in a Muslim land or, or, a, or a Hindu nation pulling you away and planting you in, and making it illegal for you to pray to your God. I read these verses and it breaks my heart because it does go over all these all these instruments and pieces of furniture again. But I realized when I started reading these, how precious those things that maybe I took for granted. I was reading and trying to keep my attention there. My focus when it's telling me God, they're building and they're strengthening and, and, and they're, they're putting together the, the things of worship. And I, I didn't really take it that seriously, but now they're taking them away and I'm saying, no, 
Oh no, not the not the the, the brass sea, not the not not the pillars that that Solomon put up, not all that that gold and that brass that God blessed them with. Now they're they're breaking it to pieces, melting it down, and taking it to Babylon. And my heart is broken. Everything that God blessed them with is now taken. We never, never think that that's possible. We never think when we take so lightly the great blessings that God has given us. Some of the testimonies that we heard here tonight, just simple things about just knowing God's truth and worshiping him and prayer. And, and we can take that so lightly. We can, we can think it's just something tedious and not really that important. But once you go to pray and you can't really feel God. Once you go and, and realize, oh, it's a bad prognosis, but, but I, I've so long separated myself from anybody that can pray the prayer of faith. Those important things in our life that we take for granted. To know that just easily I can say, hey, brother, will you pray for me? Sister, can you just hold me up in prayer? Can you pray for a family member? But now where is my life? Where, where is my fellowship, the community that I've built around me that we can take so lightly? Like the reading of all these measurements and all these uh, ingredients, if you will, of, of what this was made of and how this was put together and all these things that, that seem so tedious maybe. But when now we're losing, it seems so valuable. You don't always know what you have until you lose it. Some of the most important things that we have, I hear people say, well, you know, you don't have anything if you don't have your health. I'm not saying health isn't important. It's very, very important. But thank God for some of the testimonies and the songs that we have. Thank God for, for Jesus. For a clear channel. Being able to know that, that there's nothing in the way, God, of me being able to just speak your name. And know that you're going to hear me. I don't have to say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm not. Are you ready to meet God? That your conscience is clear? Oh, that's not so important, is it? Or is it just tedious to put God first and hear his word and sing those songs and love him? What about the people in your life? Building up people that will build strength in your faith. Strengthen your, your, your sharpen your, 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 your character that you can be closer to God. Good examples that God puts in your life. Then we say, ah, you know what, so what about that? But when it's gone... How heartbreaking. I read these things as I read to you, you know, spoons and vessels and candlesticks and pillars. But it says they're taking them away. There was a man we talk about every now and then in the Bible, the book of Judges. A man that God had a plan for his life. A man that God had purpose for him. And God anointed with a very unique gift, a man named Samson. God worked with him and worked through him. And you can see just so quickly, it just didn't seem like it was that important to him. He had bigger, more, more temporary goals in life, I guess you'd say priorities. The Bible says when that anointing and that gift that God gave him left him, he didn't even realize it. He got up that night just like he got up at times before, feeling like, hey, God's still with me. 
If you would have asked Samson that day, hey, how are you doing? I'm as good as I've ever been. Didn't even know that it had been carried away. And I want, I'm, not, I'm not giving you a, 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 I'm giving you a warning, but I'm not going to give you a, a, a sad, sad sermon today. I want to turn to Joel, the second chapter. Joel 2. I want somebody to look at the things that God has given them, guard them, cherish them. It's easy to kind of point a finger sometimes at people that are just just loving God, laugh at kind of their worship or their prayers or their back in preaching and being excited about the word they're hearing and and their sincerity, their childlike just sincerity that they're just not even worried about what anybody else thinks. And But when you don't have that, you realize just how valuable it was in your life. Before I read, to you, well, let me read it. Joel 2. I want to give give you good news. I want to I want to uh, I'm setting this up for something very positive because Joel the second chapter verse 25 is a prophecy that again maybe there's some things here that that aren't evident at first but he's talking about let, let's just read it chapter 2 verse 25 I'll restore to you somebody say re- restoration And I'll restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. I know this seems like such a a negative message, but let me tell you something. Earlier in this book, God is warning of judgment. And this agricultural... Uh, nation that their finances and their 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 lives lives were based on their their fields and their farming capabilities and God is telling them I, I'm sending my army and there's going to be judgment and and, and the the caterpillar is going to come or the locust is going to come and he's going to destroy that but when he whatever he misses I'm going to send the uh, canker worm and whatever he misses the caterpillar is going to clean up and the palm oil this is this is God saying I'm getting ready to take away all the blessings that I put in your life And if that was the end of the chapter, that'd be pretty serious business. But thank God in Joel 2, verse 25, he says, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. I want to tell somebody here today, there is a God is a God of restoration. I can tell you here today by the word of God and by my own experience that things that I can Say, I'm blessed today. And I've, God's been good to me today. It's not because I deserve it. And the times where, where I look at my life and I, I took the things so for, so for granted and, and didn't cherish and, and, and nurture my walk with God like I should have and, and I've stumbled and I fell away. And you turn back to God and honesty and repentance and say, God, I'm sorry that I've turned away from you. He'll restore. He can build back the things you have lost. He can bring back those things that were taken away. The beauty of what I can tell you, even though it breaks my heart to see this passage of Scripture where these things, these treasures are taken away, which are really implements of worship. 
representing their right relationship with God. You'll see that God brings them back into that land later on in Nehemiah and in Ezra. They don't all come back, but the ones that do are so thankful now for what God has given them. They're willing to work and rebuild the wall, rebuild the temple. God says to them in the book of Joel, I'll restore those years. The things that you've lost may not be lost for good. The things that you have taken lightly, God can bring them back. If you'll, if you'll turn to him, let him be the most precious thing in your life. Let your walk with him and your love for him and your dedication to him, cherish it. Cherish it because there are snares that the enemy will put in all of our ways. Oh, I know there's battles going on even right now. I know there's fighting that the enemy is trying to pull you away, pull you down, bring discouragement, bring depression, bring all kind of uh, of trouble against you to tell you why bother. It's just too hard for you. But listen to me right now. God will enable you and give you what you need to be an overcomer. God will give you the strength you need to grow in him because he wants you to win more than you want to win yourself. And if you're here today and you failed, if you're here today and you look back at at ruin and say, I can't believe I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. There's a God that can restore. There's a God that can rebuild. There's a God that can bring back joy and bring back peace if you will turn your heart back to him. Oh, I don't want you to take it lightly, but oh, there's a God that knows how to restore you to where you need I thank God. I thank God today for his many blessings. I thank God that there, I'm surrounded by people that understand that there's, it's easy to take these things for granted. I think we all have come to a time in our lives at one time or another where we just look at what God's blessed us with and not really value it like we should. But when you turn around and say, God, I, I, I need you. I need I need the things that that I once had. I need that. Listen, there's, it's one thing to know where to go to pray, to get get your mom to pray, get your dad to pray, get your get your church family to pray. But but you need to have that line of communication open for yourself too, to be able to know God's with me. Who can be against me? Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? I'm going to ask Sister Katie to come and join me, play something on the keyboard. But listen. I know that there's people here today so thankful that God is a God of restoration. A God that can bring back the things that were decimated, destroyed because of our own failures, because of the judgment that we're worthy of. But God told them then and God's telling us today, I can I can restore those years. I don't understand it. Don't ask me how to explain how he'll do it. But if you yield yourself to God. Brother quoted the verse this morning. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. To repent. Turn back to God. Let go of all the things that have snared you. And turn to God with your whole heart. Hallelujah. Or maybe you're right there on the edge. 
Maybe you're right there at the line that God has drawn and God's sending one more message. Say, come on. Come on, don't don't lose out. Don't lose out with what God's blessed. Don't give up. Put your whole heart into serving God. He's a merciful God. He's a merciful God. But oh, how sad it is to have to learn a lesson the hard way. How sad it is to lose the things that were should have been held dear to us. Don't continue that path. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. If He'll restore what you've lost. He'll restore the things that you've, you've sold off. And you'll find yourself not a second-class citizen. You remember what happened when the prodigal came back? His father loved him and celebrated. Killed the fat calf. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody here today, I want to, I want to tell you, God, God's calling you to Himself. God's calling you to turn to Him with your whole heart. Leave the snares, leave the weights behind and come to Jesus. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to Him. I love you, Jesus.
him. Keep following him. out of sin and gives us a life, an abundant life. He's got a plan, purpose for us. But at that time, you get into a battle. The devil starts start fighting and start putting distractions in your way, start pulling you away and trying so hard to set you up for failure. Keep your eyes on God. Trust Him day by day. Trust Him. He's working. He's working sometimes in the in the very tedious aspects of your life. Uh, sometimes the you don't see it, you don't realize it, but he's he's working a plan in your life. Just keep keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him when you feel like you you wonder where he is. Just keep keep trusting him. When you feel like you're being pulled in so many different directions, keep keep following him. your people. Lord, I pray. God, help each one, Lord, to just continue on in you, Lord. Bring restoration. Bring strength and healing, Lord, in in every heart, in every home. Oh, God, we thank you for being so merciful, so kind. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you. Thank you again, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for just everything we've heard and felt. God, I ask you, please, just go with each one of us and help us, Lord, throughout this week to continue, Lord, just following you. Lord, keep your hand upon us as we travel now, and Lord, just shine your light through us, Lord, every day. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with everybody around you.